Elizabeth Esty for the Emergency Medical Minute. Today we're bringing you an interview with a Colorado couple on the front lines of the pandemic. They both work in a Denver area emergency department and both have recovered from COVID-19. In Wuhan, Spain, and Italy, an estimated 10 to 15% of healthcare workers have been infected by SARS-CoV-2. Though this couple was among the first in their hospital to get sick, they will not be the last. Thank you both for taking the time to talk with us today. I think a lot of our listeners are going to be really curious about what your experience the last couple of weeks has been. How are you feeling? Uh, much better. Uh, it's been, yeah, it definitely has been an interesting uh, couple of weeks. And um, I had luckily a pretty quick recovery. And uh, Bree is uh, finally starting to feel better. I think I was probably sick for three or four days. Um, Brie was uh, sick for probably almost two weeks, but now we are both uh, getting close to feeling normal. I'm glad to hear that. What were your three, four days like? So uh, the first day felt pretty much like a bad flu. Um, Started out just chilled, and it was uh, I kind of woke up early in the morning, just kind of felt cold and achy as if I had you know, worked out really hard. I had uh, been skiing a couple days before, but it wasn't a, you know, particularly strenuous day of skiing. So I was a little surprised. I felt so achy and I felt chilled. And then throughout the day, just kind of started feeling cold, chills, achy, kind of really tired and run down. And um, by the time uh, evening came around, I knew something wasn't right and started trying to figure out how I could get tested and give my shift away for the rest of the week. And that night, I was basically under a couple of blankets, really freezing cold and then chills. And that was probably the worst 24 hours for me. And after that, uh, I just felt uh, run down, still chilled, achy, tired, uh, a little bit of a cough, uh, a little bit of a runny nose. But then by the time I actually got my test results back on uh, like day four, I was already feeling better. We were playing board games, and uh, you know, I felt pretty good by the time I got my test back. And I'd say after four or five days, I felt almost back to normal. Oh, that's great. So was this just like a flu for you? Uh, it was. Um, not even probably the worst I've ever felt, but oh, yeah. oh, hold on one second. Uh, so maybe while... Aaron talks, so we've got a couple of kids here too, but um, so Aaron and I actually work together in the emergency department and kind of before COVID really took off in Colorado and we happened to also be married, uh, we had two patients that day who ended up in acute respiratory failure and it's unclear if they had COVID or not, but I'd say it was probably uh, highly likely, but at that point we weren't testing. So this was... Mm -hmm about two and a half weeks ago. And then we had actually had friends coming into town um, and we're planning to go to Aspen for a little ski trip because it was on our path. And we have another friend that lives there. So it was uh, going to be a nice sort of cheap vacation to take. And uh, we got there Friday and I felt really run down. But at that point, I thought it was just from sort of long shifts. And at that point, the kind of 
stress of COVID was building. So part of it, you know, I thought was a little bit psychological and then just general fatigue from bad turnaround at work and kind of long days. So we get to Aspen and I have done really no exercise or physical activity, but I it's funny, I did not feel sick at all, but I felt like I had worked out, like I was sort of deeply achy. And I thought, you know, why am I so sore? And then we got back on Sunday night and I had pretty significant chills and body aches, you know, and to be honest, I'm not sure if I've ever had flu, but it felt like what a flu-like illness would be. Uh, But it's very strange to have a fever as kind of a not really a young adult. I'm going to be 40 this year, but it's pretty unusual for, you know, adults to have fevers. We see them in kids all the time and in the geriatric population. And I thought, oh, I feel bad because I have sort of a legitimate fever. And then it really felt like I had it. And so I called my medical director and, you know, it it messes with you a little bit because you, you think mostly, you don't want to miss work. We never call in. I mean, if you work in the ER, or, you know, you sort of know there there is no backup. There's no canceling appointments. But I also, the thought of sort of sharing this and making either patients or coworkers ill definitely made me pause. So I called my boss and we sort of worked out a way for me to go get tested. And then, you know, everybody kind of came together. I I sent out a few texts about getting shifts covered. I had four shifts coming up and everybody kind of came together and covered those shifts. But, you know, it feels terrible to be sick. And then it feels even worse to think that it's a stressful time at work. Uh, Everybody's already feeling maybe pushed to the limits. And then you're asking them to cover for you uh, when you don't feel well. And then honestly, it just waxed and waned for two weeks. I thought I was getting better. And then I'd have these sort of severe headaches. I'd cough and the headache would almost drop me. And you become sort of oddly aware that you have lungs. You Hmm. feel them. And it's such a strange thing to say, but you sort of, I don't even know how to explain it. It's this sort of hollow short of breath, um, pleuretic kind of pain every time you take a deep breath. And and it seems dramatic, but just knowing how severe the illness can be might sort of add to a little bit of anxiety about what you're feeling that I think maybe provokes what might be real, what might be psychosomatic. It's a weird feeling for sure to know that you have an illness where there is no cure that may get much worse will probably just get better, uh, but it does, you know, sort of mess with you a little bit. I I can imagine it would, especially this being, you know, a virus that's new, new to the earth. You know, you see patients with bacteria and <coughs> viruses that we're all pretty familiar with. They may mutate, but this is a new bug, and I can, can imagine that would mess with you. How did you manage that anxiety Oh, so a couple of times we did, you know, we did family yoga, honestly. There's uh, Yoga with Adrian we found on YouTube. She has like, I think, six million followers. So we did a little bit of yoga. And then we, you know, we're not a house that watches a ton of TV anyway. And I think not watching the news uh, was sort of crucial for me. We sort of read the news in the morning on our news apps. And even that, I found I had to sort of just turn down because you're, you know, you're reading about what's happening in New York City. Uh, I'm 39. There was a 39-year-old principal that died 
who I think had no significant comorbidities. We spoke a little bit, Elizabeth, like at night, your mind gets carried away for sure. And then I thought, Mm -hmm. Aaron and I both have this and, you know, we actually didn't look at it, but I said, did we, do we have a will? Like, where are the kids going? And our circumstances are we have two stepkids and then Aaron and I have two kids in the, you know, we're sort of a close knit family of six and we're close with Aaron's ex-wife too. And I just remember thinking like, if he and I go down, where do the girls go? Am I going to give my kids to my husband's ex-wife who I love very much so they can stay with their brother and sister who they're so close with? Uh, I was like, we need to sort of readdress our will or sort this out. Do they go with our parents who are far away? And then, you know, they don't get to see their stepbrother and sister anymore. And it definitely messes with you a little bit. And then also our we had all been together for this trip to Aspen um, and we're going to be together for a few more days. And then the question was when Aaron and I got sick, do they stay here with us? Do they quarantine with us or should they go back to their mom? And at that point, you know, we thought they had been exposed. It was probably best for us to all six quarantine together for two weeks. And then a couple of days ago, my stepdaughter got sick and then your mind races. Like, should we have sent them back? Did she get it? After they should have gone back to their moms, like should we have, would it have been better protection for them to go home to their moms or was it the right thing to do to stay with us? And, you know, luckily this does not seem to be a severe illness in most children, but, you know, most isn't good enough when you're thinking about your kids being healthy or not. But she too seems to be recovered. It was a 24-hour illness where she sort of looked like she felt unwell and now she's got a great appetite and everybody's back to being crazy. And so that's a huge relief. Yeah, I think the New York Times had an article two days ago about healthcare providers scrambling to update their wills. I think. Oh my goodness. Did you see that? You're, you know, I think we're all (laughs) in that boat of thinking these dark thoughts and managing them. Yeah. And so easy to play out all the possibilities in your imagination all night long and second guess yourself. And I think we're all aware that many, many healthcare clinicians are going to get sick and, you know, have to grapple with these same questions that you are. Yeah, it's a wild thought. And, it, yep. you know, it becomes very clear that you cannot sort of social distance from your family. Sort of I became ill first and uh, Aaron had actually was feeling fine and he had gone to work when we got back from Aspen. He had had no symptoms and I'm home with the kids and I have two sets of gloves on and I'm hand sanitizing. So we have a one-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old and just making lunch. You know, I'm cutting <laughs> tiny pieces of food for the one-year-old and realizing like between you know, I'm blowing my nose, I'm sneezing, I'm sanitizing, and just how impossible it is to sort of protect your family from yourself. Like there, there is no social distancing in your own house. We did try sort of, I moved into the basement for the 48 hours that I was sick after we got back waiting for my test. And then it became very clear that Aaron had the same thing. And uh, it seems like there was no avoiding touching food and each other. And so we just sort of locked down for two weeks in the house. Mm-hmm. So that first 24 hours where you were feeling really myalgic and lousy, you were home alone, chopping carrots into microscopic bits? <laughs> yes. 
that's exactly right uh-huh. Aaron uh-huh. was at work so that was yeah interesting and at that point I don't know what the rec- the recommendation now I think is you can take Motrin so I look at Motrin and I feel better and uh, then they sort of changed it to maybe saying Tylenol and now it sounds like you can probably take whatever you want but uh, I was basically taking some sort of antipyretic and either Motrin or Tylenol every six hours and uh, waiting for Aaron to get home. But then he was in the same place. So oh. it was it was an interesting couple of weeks for sure. So you had <laughs> then two or three days where you were both kind of out flat. Yeah, luckily we... You were, weren't as bad. Yeah, I wasn't as bad. And I'd say the first 24 hours when we were both sick was the hardest in terms of just functioning, taking care of kids, um, you know, probably if it were just the two of us as adults, you know, laying around and, you know, feeling bad for each other would have been okay, but kids don't stop. And uh, it was stressful to think about, like Brie said, taking care of them and not wanting to get them sick and then them still, you know, running around and the older kids fighting with each other and, you know, just doing the usual stuff that kids do was pretty hard that first day or two. And I was thinking, oh man, if this goes on for a while, I don't know how we're going to get through this, you know, being able to take care of ourselves and, you know, still maintain a busy kind of just house and, you know, take care of everybody. But luckily the big kids, you know, we had a couple talks with them about needing to really kind of step up and be on their best behavior and try and help however they could. And they did as much as, you know, they could. And luckily, I think I was able to get functional pretty quickly. And Brie actually got a little bit better. It was interesting on like day three or four, we both seemed to be feeling a little better. But then Brie had a little kind of bounce back where she started feeling crappy again. I don't know if she kind of overdid it, but she was, you know, got you know really run down again, was kind of not eating, lost her appetite. You know, this cough came on that you hear. So she kind of uh, slid back a little bit, but by then I was doing okay. And yeah, it was interesting kind of, I think like you said, you think about the dark things and, you know, you hear about, you know, healthcare workers getting very sick and being in the ICU and definitely stress about that. I think it really helped that by the time I got the test back, I was already feeling better and I, you know, mentally had kind of a perception that I was through the worst of it and that I had had a mild case. And, you know, if I found out on, you know, the first six hours that I had it, I probably would have been way more stressed when I was laying in bed, chills and shivering and feeling terrible. But it was really kind of good to already be feeling better by the time I got the news. And also it was kind of just interesting, the psychology, the social isolation, but also the connection that you have, you know, electronically with people. I mean, the amount of texts and phone calls that we were getting those first couple of days when our friends locally and you know people we work with and just family and friends across the you know country heard that we were sick and potentially had it how much kind of outreach there was it was like a full-time job just to respond to people's texts about how we were feeling and you know what we were going through and people i think were curious you know because we might have been the first people they knew that had it just the amount of <laughs> Uh, people reaching out to us and I was joking with Bree that, you know, if 
this isn't COVID. It's amazing how much, you know, offers for support and people want to bring us food and dinner that we're getting for a bad cold, you know, just for us feeling, you know, so, so, but not being able to leave the house and, um, you know, just the amount of support that we got from our neighbors and, you know, so many people who, uh, you know, live on the other side of Denver offering to bring us dinner was pretty crazy, but luckily there's, uh, grocery deliveries now and, you know, things that make this all manageable while we were in isolation. So, and probably a lot of people, as you said, just a lot of people really, really curious about, you know, what to expect. Yeah. You know, both medical people and people who are not in the medical profession, you know, how are you feeling? What did you feel? What was it like? And, you know, it was kind of interesting to share our perspective. I think a lot of people were very curious on whether the kids were getting sick. You know, that was a very common kind of question and concern. And it's also just a strange phenomenon that once, you know, we knew the kids were exposed, it's not like we could even, you know, even if we had family, it's not like they could have gone somewhere. Like we were really mm-hmm. stuck taking care of them because they were potentially contaminated and potential vectors. So that's also kind of a strange thing is that you're just in it together for, you know, the time frame. I'm jealous and impressed that your older kids heard that lecture about how they would need to step up and be be great and did that. Kudos to you. Did you tell them what you had or were you just saying? <laughs> yeah, how, were, yeah. How, how did that conversation go? They definitely kind of knew that because before we went into lockdown, their schools had been canceled. And even before we were sick, you know, for the week before we got sick is when it was really building up in Colorado. So we were asking them if they talked about it in school. Once we started getting sick, you know, we were very open with them about what we thought could be going on. And they're, you know, interested in medical stuff. Uh, you know, they like to hear about our patients sometimes. So they, um, you know, they're interested in the general idea of the disease and the illness. And then once we got it, they kept saying, do you think you have it? Do you think you have it? What do you think? Oh, so they were, they were kind of psyched for you to have it. <laughs> it was, they definitely were excited to call uh-huh. their friends and yeah. tell them, yeah, they made, uh, our families have been sending videos about how do we get rid of the vid. Um, and the kids have been, yeah, sending videos. They seem to uh, mostly, I thought Kaylin might be scared. She, she can be stressed or worried like that sometimes, but I think mostly they kind of found it amusing, honestly. <laughs> and Aaron and I joked. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, we joked, if the COVID doesn't kill us, I think we're going to kill each other just in this house, like in our, you know, we were, it was a interesting two weeks for sure. But they did definitely step up, helped with the little kids, cleaned up their plates, tried to make themselves food, knowing that we didn't want to get them sick if at all possible. But yeah, I think they maybe had an asymptomatic course. It's hard to imagine, you know, we, so we had gone to Aspen with a good girlfriend of mine who's also a PA who does heart and lung transplant at the University of Indiana. And she got home and I had called her on, they flew home Sunday night and I called her because Sunday was when I sort of really manifested. And I said, Tori, I, I have something. I think I probably have it. And she, like about right when Aaron got sick, had had the same symptoms. And it was like such an example of just how contagious this must be. And they had thought it was before 
it had sort of exploded in the U.S. and they had thought about canceling their trip but decided to come anyway. And so they changed their flight home. They were supposed to fly home on Monday. They changed it to Sunday for fear that they would get stuck, like they would cancel travel or they would end up having to rent a car and drive home. So she flies home and then she's sick 48 hours later. And I thought this must just be more contagious than most things we've ever seen. It just seems like if you have it, you're going to be sharing it with someone around you. Mm-hmm. So I would guess the kids would have tested positive either. It sounds like you can have a, it's not uncommon to have a positive test with no symptoms. And then Kaylin and Ruby and Sawyer, our two younger daughters, all were symptomatic. But it's like every parent saving grace. I think that this generally is not a childhood illness. Definitely. It was also interesting with our friends who came in from Indiana catching it, just how, not just how contagious it is, like Bree said, but also how easy we can see it spreading from people before they have symptoms. I think most people will be responsible, you know, just generally speaking, if most people are sick, they get the message that they need to stay away from other people. But I think people assume that if they feel fine, they can, you know, hang out with their neighbors and get together with their families and, you know, go places and they don't feel like they're going to contribute to the problem. But people can spread the disease for, you know, days to sometimes, you know, potentially even weeks before they have symptoms or they just think they have a cold. And you can just visualize how, you know, you spread it to one person, they spread it to another person just so easily from just doing day-to-day activities that, you know, it really does seem like staying away from other people during this time is the only way because if people only wait till they have symptoms to self-isolate, it's going to be too late. Too late. Way too late. What would your, it sounds like sort of two competing or there's a tension here between knowing all that you've just said and working in a busy ED, being exposed potentially all day long, and then going home to your family. I mean, you've also spoken about how just impossible it is to socially isolate from a one-year-old. Um, yeah, and obviously, a- you know, it's a different story. That obviously, if you had, if you were living with someone who were elderly or sick, um, yeah. what, what would your advice be to your colleagues? Well, it's like before we got sick, people in our group started talking about, you know, just being responsible, leaving as much clothing at work, you know, showering when you got home, changing when you got home, not wearing shoes around the house. Those things I think a lot of people are taking to heart, uh, trying to, you know, physically leave things outside the house. And I have been a proud germaphobe for a long time. Uh, you know, there's a... Uh, and I have for, not. <laughs> yeah. There's a, you know, the the act of cleaning your workspace when you get to work for the last 10 years has been named after me. Um, I get to work, I sit down, I wipe everything down, I clean everything, I try and, you know, clean my stethoscope, you know, do all that stuff. And then, <laughs> you know, I've tried to always, you know, not bring in work shoes into the house and, you know, I just, you know, I, if I have a sick patient at work, sometimes I, you know, think about trying to, you know, clean off before I come in, before all of this. And now I feel like I'm even, you know, some people are going way further than I am now. And Brie, like she said, has uh, not been a germaphobe. We joke that, uh, you know, like she used to leave her work shoes in the mudroom and our young kids would be chewing on the bottom of her shoe from work that, you know, who knows what she had stepped in. Um, 
but I think now, I think we and most people have kind of swung towards a clean, trying to keep a clean house, not to wear the shoes that we walked around in at work into the house, and just trying to be mindful of everything that you touch, potentially being a carrier, cleaning the phone before you know we set down the phone inside the house, just really trying to be mindful of uh, how easy things are to spread. And maybe, this is a joke, but maybe you were only sick for three days. Because of your long history of <laughs> germophobia, and and um, Bree suffered, suffered. This is penance. Yeah. So we've, before. we've also joked that Bree has the world's greatest immune system because she eats food work. off of the floor of the hospital without any second thought. She, so she might have not. a strong eye system. But yeah, like when we, were, we joke about you know, like when we travel to Mexico, she eats whatever she wants and has no problems, and the rest of us get uh, terrible traveler's diarrhea because yeah. she's you know used oh, to eating dirty food. But uh, you know, maybe it's respiratory-wise, she hasn't uh, developed that immune system. Somehow. Well, now she has. Now she okay. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, I have, woman. Yeah, I have never eaten food. It is a joke, but I. Have, <laughs> but it is true that our one and a half year old, I had. I wear tennis shoes just because they're the most comfortable shoes at work. And Aaron always leaves the stuff in the garage. And I just always found that annoying. Then your shoes are freezing cold in the winter. And I walk around the corner and our one and a half year old is literally chewing on my shoelaces from mm. my work shoes. This was like a year ago and it made me physically ill. <laughs> so now everything gets left in the garage. But yeah, I could have used a lesson in germophobia for sure. Mm, yeah. One question I do want to ask you, and this is just ties into a podcast we did a couple of days ago. Lots of people, their first symptom is loss of their sense of smell. Did either of you lose your sense of smell at any point? Yeah, definitely. I don't think that it was my, my first symptom was definitely body aches, or at least not that I noticed. But And maybe I was more aware of it after that kind of circulated, but you, I did just have no appetite for sort of food and certainly noticed that, yeah, things didn't sort of taste or smell as good as you wanted, but you also sort of don't feel much like eating either. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that you say that we have a neighbor who is also in healthcare and she texted me and honestly, it's her only symptom, but she works at the VA. Uh, and so she called them and she was tested and she is positive with just wow. that symptom. Yeah, I feel like uh, between our neighbor and our house and my mother in Philadelphia, who also tested positive, she also works in healthcare and was traveling. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure where she got it from. And she was actually here, but she didn't get symptoms for almost two weeks since we saw her. So I'm not sure if it's related, but it seems like I know we know a lot of people who have it. So it does seem like a uh, either it's very prevalent or for some reason our little world is the epicenter of COVID for some reason. Yeah, yeah so you have three generations. <laughs> yes, right. so maybe four. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Um, do, you, do you miss work? Or has yeah. this been, yeah, tell me about well, I'll tell what you. you're it's thinking about. So it is, uh, it's no joke to be home with four kids all day, every day. I almost thought oh, I'd feel better being sick at work, although that would be somewhat unethical. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely miss work, but also I feel, so Aaron has been back. Aaron has been um, kind of symptom free and 
so I'll tell you, I, I found it really stressful to sort of decide when it was okay for he and I to return to work. And, you know, I've certainly worked feeling worse, like having worse sore throat or, you know, things like that. But this is such a different animal in that it's not about me. You know, I don't know what I would be sharing with, you know, people that I work with that I love, honestly, and patients who have underlying medical conditions or, you know, that would make them susceptible to a more severe illness. But uh, I miss work. And then the the CDC has kind of two recommendations for returning to work, either a negative test or symptom-free for at least 72 hours and at least seven days from onset. But I, I had so little faith in that. It gave me a lot of anxiety to think about, you know, going back and you know, potentially sharing this. But to be honest, I feel so much better today that I think part of it was that I was not, I shouldn't have been going back because I wasn't feeling well enough before anyway. But I am, I'm looking forward to it and I, or not, not looking forward to going back to sort of the monster that is COVID, but just to getting back to semblance of kind of a normal life and variety again and leaving the house. And it makes me feel terrible for people who kind of don't have that option because they're in service or they are deemed kind of unessential work environments that, yeah, I'll be looking forward to going back, but also stressed about what COVID is going to look like and what the hospital is going to look like, what the patients are going to look like, certainly. I could imagine also that both of you would be potentially called upon to do more high-risk or aerosolizing procedures and that you might be, until there are more like you, you may be sort of on the front of the front lines. Yeah, I've definitely wondered that. It hasn't been kind of explicitly <laughs> discussed. Um, I think part of the reason for that is there's still not totally clear science or data as to how protective having it is. Yeah, I think there were initially when there were some physicians in China who um, you know got very ill, there was some you know discussion that maybe they'd been exposed to like so much of the virus and they actually did worse. Um, you know, I don't know if there are studies looking at physicians or healthcare providers who had it, were cured and then went back and seeing how well immune they were. I do hope that, uh, you know, we both have good immunity and, <laughs> um, yeah. A well-placed cough there. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> I do, uh, you know, we still need to think about, you know, not, being vectors, you know, we still need to wear, you know, the pr protective equipment just so we're not passing it back and forth. But I do feel much less stressed uh, about getting it at work and, you know, would consider being a, you know, more of a frontline, like Bree said, a dirty provider who has had it and, you know, hopefully will be less at risk getting it from patients. Uh, but you know, it's interesting. They've talked about collecting serum and antibodies from people who've had it before. And I haven't uh, seen anything locally about that, but it'd be nice to be able to, you know, if I do have a, or, you know, if either one of us has a high kind of antibody titer, it'd be interesting to try and donate blood that would be helpful. Just hopefully as somebody who has, you know, had it and recovered, just other things that we can do to help, which they're probably still figuring out the logistics of. I'll put in a plug for yesterday's podcast, which covers this no, right. very topic. Yeah, the trials are starting in New York right away with the human convalescent serum. I don't know of anything in Denver, but I'll try to track that down if anybody's 
involved in those studies <clears throat> locally because you guys would be obviously ideal donors. Yeah. Well, any last thoughts or, or reflections, advice? I was going to say um, you were asking about you know, do we miss work, and I definitely miss work. You know, I wanted to try to keep helping. I tried to work on a couple of you know just guidelines and you know doing a little research for work while I was you know not able to physically work. My first shift back, I did wait a little longer than what the CDC guidelines said. But when I did go pick up a shift, it was for somebody else who is still out with. COVID, one of our other providers. So that was kind of, yeah, it felt good to be able to pay back. Was People really helped out and picked up our shift. Like Bree said, mm-hmm. we don't typically call out. This was the first time in three years of residency and 11 years of being a physician that I hadn't gone into work because of anything. So it was kind of a strange thing, but it was really nice to know that people had our backs. And like Bree said, not wanting to go in and potentially expose people so we knew what we had. And then once we were able to get our shifts covered, uh, it was a kind of ironically nice time with the family once we were feeling okay to kind of enjoy it, to have almost two weeks off at home without really anything to do, anywhere to go, just to really kind of hang out uh, as a family and kind of try to enjoy that time as much as possible while we were healing and not super stressed about being critically ill. So, you know, there was a kind of little bit of a silver lining of just getting that time that we don't typically get. The, you know, bitter side of it was that that was supposed to be our spring break. And many people's spring breaks were ruined by this. I'd say almost everybody's spring break was ruined by this. But we were sick also. So we, you know, at least felt like we couldn't be doing anything fun, even if uh, it weren't for COVID. But it was just a good time together, and especially once we knew we weren't going to be in the hospital or the sickest. It was a nice quality couple weeks together. Good memories. <laughs> and yes. and I I keep thinking about the um the get rid of the vid video. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, wonder goodness. if you you might approach your children asking for permission oh. to share the audio or the video as they oh. see oh, fit. Yeah. They could you know really ride the celebrity. Yes, we could. We can definitely do that. And I would say, Elizabeth, you know, Aaron and I have talked. We're just sort of lucky. We've, we've, like Aaron said, had friends and neighbors who have reached out to us. But I think now more than ever, sort of the world needs people to sort of pay it forward and give back. And for like everyone who's offered to do something nice for us, you know, I've wanted for us to do something or for, to tell them to do something maybe for someone who doesn't have the resources. I mean, it, it keeps us up at night thinking about, you know, kids where school was an outlet for them or sort of, you know, maybe things aren't great at home and now they're at home all the time or, uh, you know, parents who are struggling to get by uh, because they're out of work or, um, or they're leaving their little kids home because they can't go to school, but the parents still have to work. I mean, it seems like sort of now is the time if you feel well and you have the extra resources to really find a way to give back. Because I can't imagine what people are struggling with, sick or not sick right now. Yeah, so true and so so well put. Yeah, yeah yesterday we, um, was, sorry, good. I was going to say that uh, <laughs> you asked, did we miss work? And I was thinking that it was such like a nice thought in the back of our heads to know that we have a job to go back to when Mm -hmm. we are better. I can't even imagine being sick like this and 
you know, not only not being able to go to work, but then while you're out, set, you know, you're getting a call from your employer that you've been laid off because, you know, the business is closing and they're not going to need you. And then you're dealing with that and trying to figure out, you know, the logistics of how you're going to get by for who knows how long. And we've got company with workers comp that's going to help for the work shifts and a job that seems like it's going to be there for a long time and have, you know, greater need. But uh, there's a lot of people, like we were saying, who definitely will be needing help. And I think that there are Colorado organizations and charities that are starting to, you know, focus on this very specific issue. And yeah, things that, you know, we'd like to kind of pay back. And, you know, we realize that we're fortunate both to have our health and also just resources to kind of get by during these crazy times. So, so well put, and I'm so grateful to you guys for sharing those thoughts and for all you do. I really appreciate it, and we'll, if if you guys, you know, who knows what the next weeks and months will be like at work, but we'd love to have you record even a few minutes if you have time from the ED here and there just to see how this unfolds for you both. Absolutely. Yes, we can definitely do that, Elizabeth. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you so much. All right. Stay healthy, Elizabeth. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 